Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,204. Opportunity is missed by most people because it's stressed in overalls and looks like work. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from Grosbeck, Texas, Michael Satterfield. Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. Michael Satterfield is the founder of The Gentleman Racer, a website he started over a decade ago where he shares his automotive and motorcycle adventures that have taken him around the world. He grew up in the automotive industry and contributes today to a number of automotive publications, websites, and books. At The Gentleman Racer, you'll find articles about people, places, travel, cars, motorcycle racing collectors, plus all things in the automotive world. The site has grown from a simple blog where Michael could share his automotive-related adventures into a successful award-winning platform. So, Michael, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more before I jump into the questions about your career, your business, and your passion for automobiles? Sure, yeah, and thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. Really glad to glad to be on here with you. Thank um, you. I kind of, yeah, I kind of got started um, in the car industry because my dad was in the car industry. He worked for like SEMA companies and I kind of just always grew up around it and knew that I wanted to work with cars and had always kind of found a way to do that. And uh, I, from working in the dealership levels to working in the automotive aftermarket and then eventually kind of launching on my own and, and kind of starting this whole new kind of new media space that we're all living in now. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? I mean, you can reach so many people in a very fast, effective, inexpensive way and share your passion, which is what we do every day here on Cars yeah, with so many cool people. And I would imagine, like me, it's probably led to some pretty interesting connections you made with folks, too, as well. Absolutely. I mean, you get to do all kinds of amazing all kinds of things, especially what I do, kind of doing the adventure writing and the travel writing, stuff like that. And it's created all kinds of wild opportunities. I've had a chance to work with Carol Shelby before he passed away and, and interview him and do some stuff with him and uh, travel to Mexico and race Baja race cars and ride around McLaren's at uh, Coda. I mean, it's been all kinds of really amazing things. And it's amazing the amount of opportunities that are out there uh, if you're just willing to kind of say yes to things. Well, there you go. Yeah, just say yes. Uh, do you ever get into one of these situations and you just kind of stop and pinch yourself and go, how did I get here? This is pretty crazy. Yeah, actually, uh, a couple of years ago, I was uh, on a big media uh, invited tour that they were doing with new cars with one of the major automakers. And I'm sitting there at the dinner they'd set up for us. And it was like being you know, basically a Michelin star chef they had flown in for this dinner. And I mean, I'm sitting at the table and there's the guys from Road and Track and the guys from Automobile Magazine and all these major publications I grew up reading and like, you know, was interested in. And I'm like, it kind of hit him like, wow, I'm, I'm here too. <laughs> I'm part pretty, of the club. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no doubt it is. And it's, I feel the same way every day when I get to talk to what I call my inspiring automotive enthusiasts, people like you and the so many 1200 plus guests I've had now. I just go, wow, this is, this is pretty neat. I get to share this journey with other people. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tire spinning here on Cars, yeah? So, Michael, take the wheel. 
Well, one of my favorite quotes is actually from Thomas Edison, and it says, uh, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. <laughs> yes, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Well, how have you incorporated that into what you do at the Gentleman Racer? Well, really, it's just, it, that's the main thing is it is a lot of work. Um, you know, everyone always sees the final product. They see the, you know, the amazing road trip in Mexico, or they see the trip to Japan to visit the Nissan Heritage Center. But they didn't see like the three to four months of orchestrating all of that, getting, you know, the, the, the budget to do it, finding the, you know, the sponsors and the management side of things and all the stuff that goes in to make all these stories happen. And, you know, if we're doing video, a whole other realm of stuff that has to be done uh, for that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's an everyday grind to get this stuff done and produce the content. And that's kind of how we do everything here. It's just uh, dig in and work. Yeah. Well, that's all it takes is hard work, tenacity, persistence, and hard work. That's it. It's pretty easy. I had uh, Adam Carolla on the show, and I think he's one of the hardest working guys in Hollywood. And he said to me, you know, Mark, I just get up really early and start moving my legs. And I don't stop until late at night when I'm exhausted. And I just do it over again, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's all. So uh, yeah, people don't see all the hard work, uh, the bottom of the iceberg in that proverbial picture that you always see on the poster for the little bit that sticks up above. So I like that quote. It's a great quote. Let's uh, talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. When you look back on it, and I know you grew up with a dad who was in the industry, that probably had a big influence. But was there a point in life, the pivotal moment, when you said, you know what, I guess I'm a car guy, just like dad? Well, um, one of my earliest memories is uh, steering my dad's 65 Mustang sitting on his lap. That's kind of just always been kind of burned into my head. And I, I just love that thrill of speed. I mean, we were going around the block super slow, but when you're like six or seven years old, it's just like the coolest thing in the world. And I really got into cars super early. I bought my first car when I was 14 years old, convinced my parents to let me spend my lawnmower money on this old beat up uh, 54 Ford and kind of spent a a summer putting it back together. And just, it just was kind of meant to be. It's what I was going to do. And I never really stopped. Yeah. Well, cool. I love it. Uh, Old Ford. Was it probably a big learning curve, I would imagine. Or had you worked on cars with your dad before that? Well, a little bit, but I, you know, at 14, I really hadn't had a lot of mechanical training. My dad was basically like, the tools are in the garage. You and your buddies go dink around on it and learn and work on a bio manual. And we spent all summer putting that car back together and getting it running. And we Fine. ended up getting it running and, and running around the farm and put a bag of chicken scratch in it, pretending that we were out on farm business, driving it around the, the old dairies of Southern California. But uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was a blast to uh, to kind of... Learn and that again, it was just kind of that thing where like it just felt like that's what I was supposed to do and be working on cars and working with cars and kind of never stopped. The old dairies of Southern California, you dated yourself a little bit there. I'm thinking back to <laughs> when I was a kid as well, and uh, yeah, when there was so much more open land down there back then. Very nice times indeed. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down now. Since you've launched all this, no doubt you've been met with maybe a challenge or two, maybe even a failure or two. And the great thing about these situations is they teach us. Really valuable lessons. So kind of walk us through a, a moment in time when it was really challenging or even you hit up against a brick wall and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you came out the other side. Well, um, I think the biggest kind of shift was I, I'd worked in the auto industry for quite some time on the dealership side, working for big dealer groups, and then got kind of pulled back into the automotive aftermarket, which I'd worked in before. And I was work, working at this company and it just, it was it was going well as far as the, the results we were producing, but it just culturally wasn't working for me. And there's a lot of clashes and it just wasn't going to be, a, it wasn't going to be a good 
thing in the long run. And they kind of felt the same way. I ended up, you know, it was the first time I'd ever been fired. Like this, this isn't working. You know, you're too radical with what you want to do. And we're not, we're not moving that fast. We don't want to do this. So go ahead and clean out your desk. Go ahead and leave. Yeah. Thanks yeah. a lot, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it just kind of made me, you know, it made me kind of, you know, well, back because I was like a huge first time failure for me. I'd never been fired before. never had like, and like, it, it was one of those things where like the numbers weren't the problem. It just wasn't going to, it wasn't a good fit. I kind of sat there and, and really thought about I mean, what I wanted to do. And if I wanted to, you know, basically go back and get another job working for somebody where I didn't have the control or where this could happen again. And it just didn't make any sense to me. So that was, gosh, 2007. And I haven't Ooh. had a... Yeah, that was since. the beginning to a little yeah. interesting time period, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, there was a huge shift. And uh, luckily, in my time in the car business, I had taken advantage of every educational opportunity that Ford and Kia and Mercury and Mitsubishi would throw at me. So I had all these great certificates I'd learned at different schools and colleges on internet marketing, internet sales, you know, website stuff, because I was the youngest guy at the dealership, so therefore I was the internet salesman. Yeah, wow. this is back before they were like, that was a new title that just been created back when I was working there. So I kind of looked at all this kind of new information that I'd learned in the last couple of years and this experience of getting fired and said, ah, I think I can, I think I can make this work on my own and been doing it now over 10 years. So there you go. There you go. Well, you know, this is a great topic because what I want to ask you here is leading up to that moment where they said, maybe it's time for you to leave. I mean, was it a surprise for you when that happened? You know, not really, because uh, it was like, I, I felt like I was running against the wall, too. You know, yeah, I, it, yeah. it just wasn't working out. Like, we, the company that had brought me on board, it was actually, I was headhunted to take that position. And they brought me over, and I'd been there for about eight months. And it was it was like, you know, again, you're, you're giving them direction, well, this is what we need to do. And they're like, we don't want to do any of that. It's like, well, then we're not going to hit any yeah, of our why goals. Why am I here? So, <laughs> yeah, it was, so it was just kind of a really frustrating position. So yeah. it was almost a little bit of a relief. And I sat yeah. at home. I remember I, I sat at home. And I was like, you know, and they, they gave me the paperwork to fill out for like unemployment. And I looked at it. I was going, ah, oh, I just can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, I didn't I didn't draw the unemployment. And I just started kind of uh, figuring out a plan and get started working. And I kind of never looked back. You know, the reason I asked that is because many times that happens to people. The time leading up to it. Now, it could be a short period of time, a few months, or it could be many months, or it could be years where things aren't feeling right. Think You just go, this is just not working. What is wrong? What is going on? Now, it could be something you're doing. could be something they're doing. It could be a combination or just a clash of cultures, as you say, or communication problems. As far as a, a little golden nugget to, to drop some listener out there that might be in the same position, where you get up in the morning and go, man this job sucks. I mean, it's just, it's not working out. What would be some uh, suggestions you might make for somebody that has that sense in their mind that something's not going right so that they can be the one in control versus letting the employer take all the control and make the change for you? Well, I mean, I would say be proactive. You have to you know, really take control of your own destiny and start, you know, whether it's looking for a new job, whether it's starting a side hustle, whether it's, you know, taking whatever experience you have and finding a way to leverage that to do something different. Uh, I spent a lot of time working in places that, you know, were okay, but I was never really completely fulfilled because it wasn't, it wasn't mine. I couldn't really do what I, I wanted to do. I had to fight a company culture. And, you know, some people, some people are wired for that. Some people are great at being coming in, following the rules, they need that structure. But for me, it just it, it wasn't a good fit. So if you're a person who wants to go out and kind of 
explore and and push the boundaries and understand you're going to butt heads, maybe you should start looking at ways you can do that on your own, whether it's becoming a consultant with whatever expertise or experience you have, or like I said, launching your own company and and kind of, uh, you know, jumping out into the void. Yeah, exactly. And I like the the word side side hustle or uh, sidepreneur, I used to call it, um, where you can start some things in the evenings and weekends where you can actually start something on the side, build it up into the point where you can leave gracefully and say, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Let's uh, shift gears and talk about a big career aha moment or a big pivot in your career, something that really made a difference for you, and maybe walk us through the steps you took to turn that aha into a success. Well, uh, there's been quite a few aha moments with the, the internet marketing side of things and the web web presence and just how all of that's changing so fast. I think the most recent one was I actually had a really good friend of mine who also is a writer and has he writes for several big websites and I actually had him do kind of an audit of me because I brought him in and said, okay, what would you change? What would what would make you better? Just to get that kind of outside perspective because yeah, yeah. it's really it's really easy to get locked into your own you know echo chamber and and think everything you're doing is excellent. And James came in and, and really brought a lot of insight and kind of different points of views that I hadn't thought about, whether it was from just content to where, how I structured my website and things like that. And and I made some changes based on his recommendations and we saw about a 50% increase in traffic. And wow. it was just like, a wow. Like, you know, so I, I think the big takeaway from that is to no matter how well things are going, don't get into a rut that you think you have all the answers because there's mm. so much changing, especially in this, this age of internet and information. It's like, there's so many things changing all the time that you've got to constantly be learning and constantly looking for new mentors. Yeah, it's great advice. I love that. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. I'm guessing it wasn't that old Ford <laughs> that was out in the chicken coop, but uh, maybe the first car you got that really had great meaning for you and share a memory or two about that vehicle. Well, I've had so many uh, cars. I'm kind of a uh... I, I love to find out what makes each car special. So I've had almost, well, I've had over a hundred cars, but, um, Whoa. The one that kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the one that really sticks out there was the car I drove in high school, which my 54 Ford I bought when I was 14. And I, uh, quickly became very entrepreneurial with that and got it fixed up and running and sold it and made a lot of money on it. I was like, Oh, this is great. I, I paid yeah. $150 for this car. Basically had a carburetor rebuild kit and some spray paint to kind of get it looking decent and flipped it. So I did that a couple more times before I actually even had my license. My dad would help me get the cars and bring them back and get them running and fixed up and I'd flip them. So by the time I went to high school, I had a 67 Ford Galaxy 500 Fastback uh, oh, with cool. a 390 in it. That was just super cool because it was just, yeah. it was the two-door Fastback with the windows that rolled all the way down so you could roll. Yeah. All yeah. The, no pillar. It was super, super cool. And we literally went everywhere in that car all over Southern California. And I remember my, my one of my good friends had a little Nissan that was red and he got pulled over all the time and he was riding with me in my car. And that car was always like 85 miles an hour everywhere, just blasting around the big block. <laughs> and we got pulled over and the cop just told us to slow down. Said, ah, cool car, slow down. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, this is why I need a classic car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, sometimes those, those cars that are older, I mean, the police, I don't know. I don't know why they would do that. That happened to me one time with an old Mustang that I have. I was just got, yeah, you know, kind of slow down a little bit here. And uh, But when I was in a Porsche, no such luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're getting two tickets just because. So uh, very cool. Well, that's a great old car. How about a car you've let go that you really wish you had back? Do you have a seller's remorse story for us? 
actually have two. Uh, so mm. the first one was a 67 a Moretti 124 that I picked up. And uh, they'd only built maybe a dozen or so of these cars. And it was a t- the car needed a full restoration, uh, but I've been collecting the bits for it. And somehow someone found out that I had it. This collector kind of contacted me. It was one of those... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give, give you an offer. And it was just one of those ridiculous offers. And you're like, uh, yeah. okay. And now yeah. it's like, Oh man, I wish I still had that car. <laughs> the, the other yeah. one I kind of missed. Yeah. I just said, it's one of those things where you're just like, Ugh. yeah, at the time it was a really good deal. The other one was, I had a 65 Mustang fastback that I really enjoyed. That was a, a very early production car, black with black interior. And it was just a clean C code factory, even power steering, very nice, nicely equipped little car. And it was, again, at that time where, like, um, Australia was buying up every Mustang Fastback they could get. And I was working in the Mustang industry, so I had a couple of cars at the time. And one of my clients over in Australia offered me, again, just crazy money for it. But it was so clean. I've never seen one that was that, just never been hit, original paint, nice car that I kind of wish I'd still had that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a very unique car. What was your favorite thing about that car? I think that that it was just all original. Um, it was a kind of a crazy story how I got it. At the time, I was working at California Mustang, which was you know big Mustang parts supplier, and I was working there. And this guy had called us and said, "Hey, do you guys buy cars?" And the answer to that was always, "The company doesn't, but I do. What do you got?" So, <laughs> uh, and they they didn't buy cars; they didn't care. So the guy said, "I got a couple of Mustangs. Come check them out." So I, I pulled a couple thousand dollars out of the bank and drove down and put your deposit money. And went to this big warehouse, and the guy had a big concrete, you know, just tilt-up building warehouse, and it was just filled with old Lamborghinis and Aston Martins Whoa. and Ferraris and all kinds of stuff. And those were being sold off to some auction house. But uh, the the guy who who was selling the cars was in his like mid twenties. I was like, well, what's going on? Like, oh, my grandpa died. He left me all these cars. You know, I'm just trying to get rid of this stuff, clean it out. He didn't want any of them. He didn't see anything cool there. But he, you know, the, those he knew were valuable because they were Ferraris and Lamborghinis. But the, the Mustangs, he had two. He had a 66 Coupe and a 65 Fastback. And uh, I was like, cool. I mean, these are in great shape. I mean, the, the, they were both in very good condition. They'd just been sitting uh, mm-hmm. in, indoors. And I was like, well, what do you, what do you want for them? He's like, yeah, give me a thousand apiece for them. <laughs> so I said, here you go. Had <laughs> them towed away immediately. <laughs> so Were they K-code cars? No, one was a C code and uh, the other one was an A code. So okay, okay. but but still, I still, mean, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, the '66 I gave to my little sister, and it was you know a, a V8 factory air conditioning car with power steering, kind of that prairie bronze color with black interior, and then the black fastback I kept for a while, and that's the one I wish I still had. Wow, the ultimate barred find, especially with Lamborghinis oh, yeah. and Ferraris, and oh my goodness, yeah, it makes me wonder if somebody got away with a steal. With all oh, those yeah, other I'm cars, sure since, since he didn't really know what he had there. Oh my goodness, that's cool. Well, what has you excited and fired up today? And we're into the new year here, which is pretty darn cool. I can't believe 2018 is gone. But what has you fired and excited at the Gemon Racer? And tell our listeners a lot more about what they can expect to find when they come to your website. Well, I mean, this is 2019 is going to be huge. 2018 was just insane. I mean, I went to five different countries, almost every state. Did about 22,000 miles in different road trips. Um, I just got back from Canada doing a road trip with Mazda up in, in Whistler, British Columbia. Uh, for coming up, though, we've got a really exciting road trip actually starting in a couple of weeks. That's going to be pretty fun. We're going to be getting the stories up uh, in the, after the first of the year. You know, we're going from Austin, Texas, all the way to Key West, Florida, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just kind of 
would tell a lot of stories and adventures and kind of things that are tangentially connected to cars more than just like, we don't do car reviews, really. We don't do those type of stories because you can go to any website and get a car review. You can type mm-hmm. in Google, search whatever car, it'll tell you the horsepower, it'll tell you that. But I, I prefer to tell stories around the cars or, you know, do, do bizarre challenges. We did a, a $1,000 mi- uh, car. Well, let me say that. <laughs> $1,000 car. <laughs> so we did a $1,000 car challenge where I was in uh, Wisconsin, uh, up by uh, Nina, Wisconsin, this little town where uh, I have some family. And I flew in one way and decided to try to buy a car and drive all the way back to California for $1,000. And I found this old 95 Thunderbird and we did a whole story and video series along the way and made it over back to California. And it was a blast. And then we did a, a 250 CC motorcycle across the whole entire United States. I mean, so it's, Oh my it's gosh, yeah, it <laughs> you're a brave wild. guy. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's just fun to try to do these like kind of different challenges and could, could a $3,100 motorcycle from China, make it 3,500 miles across the United States. And we made it, you know, so it's kind nice. of fun to do these, these interesting kind of different challenges that people don't do to go and tell stories about people's cars. We feature a lot of enthusiasts that generally wouldn't be featured because, you know, so much of the industry now is so focused on the, the hyper car, the, you know, the new McLaren owner, the new Ferrari owner, all those things. And, and those cars are great. I love, I love all those hyper cars and supercars. They're a lot of fun, but there's so many awesome enthusiasts that have, a Toyota Corolla, you know, that they, they've, they've loved since 1985 and they, it's a GTS and they, they built this car out with all kinds of parts they brought over from Japan. And, you know, they, they have just as much passion as the guy who just, you know, ordered his 15th Ferrari. Yeah. So we try to share some of those stories too. Cool. Very cool. Well, listeners, you can find him at the gentleman racer.com. I'll put a link on Michael's show notes page and the cars. Yeah. Website. Check out what he's up to. I think you're going to have some fun there just as I have. Well, here's a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, if you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested into a car parked in the garage, what would Michael be and why? Ah, I'd probably be a classic like Mini Cooper S. Okay. Uh, because <laughs> I had one that was my daily driver for five years. I, it, they have so much personality and they're fun and they're often underestimated and they're kind uh-huh. of an underdog. So that's kind of why I always liked that car. I like it. Nicely said. Well thought through. Well, Michael, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts 
around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. Mav TV is also available on DirecTV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Okay, Michael, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners a very quick blips of that Mini Cooper throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, always check the check the car with a magnet. Ah, when you're buying a car, yeah, for Bondo <laughs> yeah. and but yeah, body repair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, interesting thing to take along. Uh, just take one that has plastic on it. Don't be using a metal magnet on somebody's paint job. They might not like that. <laughs> Saw somebody scratch your car doing that one time. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Uh, you know, I think honestly, just just getting up, um, getting up, and really just staying focused. I, I try to manage my my energy more so than my time. So uh, I have such a hectic schedule, so much travel that I have to do, and all these things. I tend to kind of put things in boxes, and I think managing focused energy on accomplishing something rather than saying, okay, I'm going to go to work for five hours and just kind of dink around. So I'm really, really, uh, really focused on managing energy more so than time. And it, it seems to pay off for me. We get a lot done, get a lot of uh, stuff up on the site and still keep everything kind of flowing. Time management oh, so important. Now, how about a resource? There are a lot of great resources for us these days. Is there one you'd like to share with our listeners? Hmm. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, <laughs> Not to not to, to to go off on the podcast thing, but I've actually been focused on a lot of podcasts and and between your podcast for car stuff, um, Joe Rogan's for kind of political and science stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really just I think I really just encourage people to to take in as much information from as many sources as possible. There's just so much out there now, since yeah. everyone can really kind of create. It's been democratized. You don't have to just go to two or three sources. So. I really just would encourage everyone to to really broaden their horizons and whether that's through more podcasts or reading different different websites or magazines or books, just to try to take in as much information as they can. There's so much out there. It's really great. And whatever your little micro niche is for what you like, you can probably find a website, a podcast, a person that focuses on that. And I really have some fun. And I always tell people too, try listening on podcasts, some other things that you normally wouldn't listen to. You might find some things that are kind of interesting that you might really enjoy that might broaden your horizons. Kind of like if you're locked into one special mark of an automobile, go to a car show that features another mark and kind of expand your horizons. You might just surprise yourself, not only with the cars that you see, but with the people you meet as well. If I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? I think, ooh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I would say probably Lee Iacocca. I think he would just be incredibly fascinating for just the that time period that he was in the in you know so influential in the automotive space. I mean, there's just so many things that he touched that really changed the whole industry. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to sit down and have a talk with him as well. Uh, amazing guy, did some amazing things. I'm sure it also amazingly ruffled a lot of feathers along the way. But uh, <laughs> that's what you have to do when you're running giant empires like that. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would uh, glean a lot of information from? Uh, let's see. Well, I just I, I like to reread things and reread things. Um, one that I really just uh, kind of dove back into was Travels with Charlie, just for fun. It's a John Steinbeck book about traveling, and it's just such a great portrait of America and a road trip. And just uh, it's just one of those really it's a really easy, pretty light read. I I, I like to grab books like that to take with me on my on my flights. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just so many good little nuggets of just humanity within it that are so good. Good reminders of uh, how to treat people. Well, Steinbeck can't go wrong with that fella, that's for sure. I'll remind our listeners that I'll put that book and all the other cool things that Michael shared with us on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Michael Satterfield, and all those great things will pop right up. All right, Michael, we're up to the checkered flag, but this is kind of fun. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today. doesn't matter who owns it or where it is. I'm going to deliver it to your garage, but there's a couple rules. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, so that little trick's off the table. It's the only collector car you can have in your garage, and you got to drive it. No garage queens here. I want you to take it out on the road in your mini adventures, which sounds like something you wouldn't have any problem doing, and have some fun. So what can I buy you today? Uh, That's pretty easy for me. Uh, Aston Martin DB4 Zagato. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, you added that little Zagato at the end, which makes it <laughs> uber cool. Love those. Uh, and the DB4. What is it about that car that this intrigues you so much? Because there's so many cool, you know, collector cars out there, but you knew right where to go. Uh, that's a car that just, I think it was the first car that I kind of had like one of those instant like guttural reactions to when I saw it, because yeah. it's just so beautiful. But also, it was a pretty good performance car in its day, and just it just has so it just oozes class from like every angle. There's not a bad bad angle on that car, inside or out. It's just such a beautiful machine. You know, I've got a in the cabinet behind me here. I've got a bunch of model cars, and one of my CMC models. For those of those folks out there that know about CMC, they make a really really nice model. Uh, not super super expensive, but by some people's standards, might be a little ridiculous. They're two, three, four hundred bucks. But incredibly detailed, and I have a British Racing Green Aston Martin DB4 Zagato. I like those cars because they kind of remind me of the 250 SWB Ferraris. They have the mm-hmm. same kind of look and feel, the stance to them. And I'm with you. I saw a green one on the lawn at Pebble years ago. And in fact, I have a picture of it I use as a, a screen sometimes on my computer because it's just such a beautiful car. I just... So much better with the Zagato design, I think, yeah. than the original design. It just adds a muscular feel to it. Totally, yeah. It's one of the most beautiful cars I think was ever ever actually put into production. And, I mean, they're ultra, ultra rare. So seeing one of the only places you ever do see them is at one of the Concord events. Huh. You made it expensive for me today, my friend. I'm, <laughs> I have to go on a, a big shopping spree with a very large checkbook to be able to find you one of those. Oh, my gosh. Do you know how many of those were made? I don't know. Do you know? Off the top of my head, I don't know. I know it was pretty limited. Um, Yeah, probably not too many. So, yeah, I'll have to look that up. But, uh, all right, I'll get busy. This may take a while, so be patient with me, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michael, you've taken me on a really nice ride today. I want to thank you for spending some time with me here and the Cars Yow listeners. Uh, 
Before you uh, head off into the sunset in that Aston Martin's Agato DB4, could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance? Uh, just uh, keep moving forward. I mean, that's kind of the main thing. It's kind of my my theme is uh, uh, everyone has their highs and lows, but if you just keep pushing towards your ultimate goal, you'll eventually get there. There you go. Just keep the legs moving. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the Gentleman Eraser? Well, you can find everything out on the website. That's where we publish all the stories. Also on Instagram at the Gentleman Racer and on Twitter at the Gent Racer. Pretty much everything is is online. Pretty easy to find. So come on over and enjoy stories on classic cars, modern cars, travel, anything kind of automotive or motorcycle related. We'll have something that uh, people will like. Absolutely, I would encourage you to check it out. And I'll make sure I put a link to that on Michael's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. The Gentleman Racer, it's a fun adventure for you to go and enjoy, and all my listeners love cars, so uh, I'm sure they'll be heading over there to partake in all the wonderful things and activities you do. Michael, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care of your cars. But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.